Well, today we're continuing our message series, which is called Abraham, Hearing God's Call. And in this series, we're looking, going back to the book of Genesis and looking at the life of Abraham as he learned to hear and to follow God's call in his life. And we want to learn how to hear and follow God's call in our lives as well. Genesis 12.1 says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And that was God's call to Abraham. We talked about that last Sunday. If you missed the message, uh, the messages are videoed and uh, they're on our website. You can, you can listen to it there. But God called Abraham to move his, from his own country, which was in Ur of the Chaldees, to the land of Canaan, a journey of over a thousand miles. Abraham didn't know exactly where he was going. It's a great faith, but he obeyed the Lord nevertheless. God promised him in verse 2, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And so in this new land that God had called Abram to, God said he's going to bless him there. He's going to make him a great nation. And as we go through the story, we're going to see that the fulfillment of that promise would only be completely fulfilled really long after Abram had passed on. But in faith, he looked forward to the complete fulfillment of the promise that God had given him. Well, today our message is entitled, See God's Vision. We're going to be looking uh, eventually here at Genesis chapter 13. And so in this chapter, God is going to give Abram greater clarity regarding the future that God has for him, that God had for him. Hebrews 11:9, looking to the New Testament, it says, By faith he, that is Abram, went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And so here we get some insight into what was in Abram's mind that we don't get from Genesis. The vision that God gave Abram was not just a physical promised land, although it was that. It was not just a physical nation, although it was that, but also of a spiritual city of God, a place inhabited by people of faith. And so the vision that God begins to reveal to Abram had to do with the ultimate fulfillment of God's call and promise on his, on his life. And so Abram was pursuing God's vision, not just for his lifetime, but for future generations that would impact eternity. And that's important for us as well today. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. A prophetic vision is a, is a vision from God of the future that God has for you. That's the vision that God was giving Abram. The vision is the fulfillment of God's call on your life. The vision helps you to focus your faith. The vision that God had for Abram, the vision that God has for us, helps us to set priority in our life. This verse says that without a vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, if you're not following God's vision... You're going to waste your life in meaningless pursuits. You're not going to be following God's plan for your life. But as you follow God's vision for your life, you're going to follow it by following God's word as well. And as you do that, you'll be blessed. Blessed is he who keeps the law. And so we are to follow God's vision and follow God's call in a Christ-like way, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit as we Walk with God. And so this morning we're going to see how Abram grew in understanding God's call 
how he overcame obstacles, and how he walked in faith. So obstacles will come. We, see, we saw this in the Sunday growth class as well. There's always obstacles as we seek to follow God's call and vision for our life. Obstacles will come. Turning to Genesis 13, 2, it says, Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Now this isn't really an obstacle, but God was blessing him. Uh, we'll get to the obstacle in a minute, but it, it actually is tied in. Uh, God was blessing everything Abram had. God had promised to bless him, and he was being blessed. He was being blessed in the animals, the flocks that he had. He was being blessed in his uh, resources. But as we'll see, this very blessing led to a difficulty, led to an obstacle that had to be overcome. Abram continued to follow God. As it says, to the place where he, that's Abram, had made an altar at the first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So Abraham, uh, or Abram, we're going to keep the name straight. We'll explain that as we go on when the names change. But Abram had flocks, and they had to eat grass. They had to graze. And once uh, the, the grass in an area was all grazed away or grazed too far down, they had to move to a new location. So they were constantly on the move, moving about the land. And now he was returning to Bethel, which was the first place that he had come into the promised land at. It's a place where he had built an altar. And so there was an altar there when he returned to Bethel. And so as he got to Bethel, Abram again, the Bible speaks of him worshiping and calling upon the name of the Lord, praying to God, asking God for help, listening for God to speak to him. Now, Abram had no written word of God as we do today, but yet he prayed and he listened to God speak to him. Now, the obstacle to God's call on Abram's life now would come in his relationship with Lot, his nephew. And so we need to trust God in our relationships. Pick up the story in verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. Well, God had promised Abram in Genesis chapter 12 that he would bless those who blessed him. And so people associated with Abram were blessed as well. Lot was blessed because he was associated with Abram. And so Lot was becoming rich in flocks and servants. And they had so many flocks and servants that they could no longer live close together. There just wasn't enough grazing land uh, for that to work out. But that was not the only problem. It says there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And so the servants who cared for the flock of Abram and Lot were getting in conflict with one another. Why? Well, you know, if there's not enough of something and two people are looking for the same thing, what happens? There's conflict. There wasn't enough grass. There probably wasn't enough water in that area. And say, that's mine. No, you can't have it. We need it. And there was all kinds of conflict going on. And so God's blessing on both Lot and Abram, had led to this situation that brought these two relatives into conflict. Now let's bring that home to us today. I would say that one of the most challenging aspects of life is our relationships. Pleasing God in all of our relationships is, is not always easy, even when both parties are believers. Marriage relationships have their challenges. right? If you're married, can anyone say amen? Okay, so not too loud because the, the spouse was sitting next to them. And anyhow, let's move on. So parent and child relationships 
have issues to be overcome. Church family relationships, friendships, work relationships, they all try us at times, do they not? Because nobody's perfect, including ourselves. And imperfect people do imperfect things, and we get on each other's nerves at times. And so it is the area of relationships that Satan, our enemy, tends to attack us the most. We saw last week that Abram's relationship with Pharaoh, if you call it a relationship, it ended with his wife Sarai in Pharaoh's harem and almost caused God's vision to fail. And so relationships can either help us as we pursue God's vision for our life, or they can hinder us. But if we follow God's direction, God will guide us. One of the things I always fall back on, I don't have a single verse for this, I mean, not a, a verse that encapsulates this, but I believe the Bible teaches it clearly. We're going to see it carried out today in Genesis chapter 13. No other person, no other relationship can cause God's vision for your life to fail. If you're following God, nobody else can stop God's vision from being completed in your life. If we put him first and if we follow his direction. We're going to see that in Abram's life. And so don't let any relationship with another person get you off track with God's call and vision for your life. Patiently wait on God and he will work things out. And we'll see how that happens in our story today. We need to learn to be peacemakers. Verse 8, we'll see how Abram responded. Understand there was... There was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. There wasn't enough resources to go around in that place. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. So Abram then takes the initiative. He takes the initiative to have a conversation with Lot. And apparently, from what he said, the conflict now had begun to be between Abram and Lot. We didn't see that before as well as their herdsmen. And so Abram appealed to Lot on the basis of them being relatives, on the basis of them being fellow believers, that there should be no strife or conflict between them. And then Abram came up with a solution to the issue that was causing the strife. Abram had learned, as we're going to see, not to force issues with others. So Abram says to Lot, this is really an amazing verse the more you think about it. He says to Lot in verse 9, Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, I will go to the to left. Now Abram's approach to resolving this conflict with Lot is truly amazing. God had promised to give him the land. And perhaps at this point, he didn't know the boundaries of the land he had been given, but Abram gave Lot the privilege of being the first to choose which land he would live in. Now, is that the first thing that would come to your mind? Probably not. I'll just be honest. Probably not. And so even though God's promise had been to Abram and not Lot, Abram did not take it on himself to force the issue with Lot. He could have said, God promised me the land, and therefore I'm going to take this land right here. This is the best land, and you can go over there. That's what he could have done. And Lot, well, I don't know what would have happened, but Lot probably would have had to abide by it. But Abraham had a, an incredible faith as demonstrated here by giving Lot the first choice of the land. 
Abram really believed that God was in control. So see what happened. What did Lot do? Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord in the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. Parentheses. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Talk about that in a minute. But the vision that Lot saw was simply what his natural eyes perceived. He looked all around. He looked to the east. He saw the Jordan Valley uh, where the Jordan River was running. It was growing with lush fields like, like a garden. And the implication was that that Jordan Valley to the east of the Jordan, which we now know was outside the boundary of Canaan, looked like the best fields. And so Lot said, well, you give me first choice. I'm going to make good use of that choice and I'm going to choose the best land. And I will leave you, Uncle Abram, with what appears to be second best. But now we see in the scripture, in parentheses, that this was before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah were in the land that Lot desired. They would eventually be no more. And so Abram, on the other hand, he settled in the land to the to the west of the Jordan River, the land of Canaan. Verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And so Lot settled among the cities of the Jordan Valley. They had beautiful fields, beautiful vegetation growing there. And it says he moved his dwelling close to the city of Sodom, which was a city of great wickedness. And so Lot was more interested in the bountiful land, what it could give to him, than in the wickedness of the people that he would be living next to. So in this section of Scripture, we see a wonderful example of peacemaking by Abram. Abram did not insist on his own rights. He gave them up to Lot, gave Lot the right of first choice. Abram believed that God was in control, even when Lot was given the freedom to choose. Abram didn't try to force the issue with Lot. He didn't try to make Lot choose this way or that way. He simply trusted that God would fulfill his promise and vision for Abram's life. And so we too must trust God to move in situations and relationships. We must do what we can in our relationships, but not try to force others to do what we want. We need to trust God. We must encourage, counsel, believe that God is in control as we pray to him to bring peace to our relationships, to guide us in relationships. Lot's choice was part of God's plan, although, as we'll see, Lot's choice is going to end up very badly for him. Lot, Lot made a choice based on outward appearance rather than divine guidance. Lot made a choice, as we said before, that promised to make him rich with earthly good, but caused him to live in the midst of great wickedness and ultimately that ultimately would impact his family. And we're going to see as we continue in this story, eventually that Lot's choice ended really in disaster. But now let's turn back to Abram, whom God used as a peacemaker with Lot. God was next going to confirm his promise to Abram. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, 
eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Now, Lot had separated from Abram, and you know, perhaps Abram was wondering how things were going to work out. I mean, there was just the two of them, and now they were separated. They weren't together, and Lot had gone quite a distance away. He perhaps was wondering how everything was going to work out. And so the Lord appeared to Abram again and spoke to him, confirming his promise. Just because Lot was gone did not mean the promise would not be fulfilled. Abram was to look all around to all the four directions of the compass and view the land of Canaan. And God promised that he was going to give that land to Abram and his offspring to live in. Of course, remember at this time that Abram had no children at all. We'll get to that as we go on in the story in other weeks. But despite what might have seemed to be a setback to Abram, the separation from Lot, God confirmed his promise. And so the promise of God involved this promised land and offspring and children for Abram. So God also clarified the vision in verse 16. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one could count the dust of the earth, your offspring also could be counted. And so God now gives Abraham a, a vision, a picture of the promise. A vision of the offspring down through the generations as numerous as the dust of the earth. You know, you pick up a handful of dust and, I mean, how many particles of dust are there in even a handful? And so the offspring of Abram would be uncountable. They would be so great. And we'll add that in the New Testament, we understand now that the offspring of Abraham include not only physical children, but also spiritual children from every nation. And then the Lord told Abraham, you must obey to claim this promise. There's something you must do. So God gave him a command. He says, arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And so God commanded Abram to walk through his inheritance, to walk through the land he had promised, the land of Canaan. This was the land that God was going to give him. And so he began to do that. When God confirmed his promise to Abram, he was at Bethel, and now he moved. He began to walk through the land. He moved his tents and flocks to the place of Hebron. And this was a new place, a place he'd never been to before. And so he built another altar to the Lord in that place. So everywhere that Abram moved, and settled, he built an altar to worship the Lord. He continued to believe God. He continued to obey the Lord in order to claim God's promise. And so we see, even between chapters 12 and 13 of Genesis, that Abraham walked with God, Abraham obeyed God, and God showed him more and more clearly the vision that he had for his life. Disobedience by Abraham would have put the promise in jeopardy, but Abraham was a man of faith. He believed the vision that God had given to him, as impossible as it seemed, and he obeyed the call of God step by step as he walked with God as the God revealed more things to him. Now, Abraham's vision consisted of a land, offspring or children, and a spiritual city. Now, what kinds of visions do God, does God give believers today? Well, the visions that God gives to us are as unique as each of us is as a believer. Abram's vision of a land could be equated to a, a, a vision of a sphere of influence today. The land was where 
Abraham would have influence where uh, he would be able to be a blessing for God. And God wants each one of us to be an influence for him in different spheres. In your workplace, in your school, if you go to school, in your neighborhood, in your church family. God wants you to give a, an area, a domain where you can influence people for him. Abraham's vision of offspring can be equated to a vision of raising physical children for God. That's certainly part of it. If you're parents and God has blessed you with physical children to raise them for God. Or it could mean raising spiritual children for God. Helping others to come into a relationship with God and then helping them to grow and mature in their faith. Ask God to help you see his vision for your life, for your family, and he will show it to you one step at a time. And as we're following God's call, as we're following God's vision for our life, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be things. Oftentimes those obstacles involve relationships with other people, and God wants to teach us to be peacemakers in our relationships, believing that God is in control. As we follow God's vision for our life, He will show us, He will show you the way forward one step at a time. And as we trust and obey God, God will fulfill His promise that He has given to you. Now the first step in God's call for each of our lives is to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. To become a believer according to the Bible, you must first of all admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. And in essence, that's following your plan for your life rather than God's plan. The Bible calls that sin. We need to admit that we've sinned, that we messed up. The Bible says every last person has sinned. Not a single person that hasn't sinned. Admit that you've sinned. Believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. He took the penalty for our sins as he died on the cross that we might be forgiven. Ask him to forgive you. And then commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. Commit your life to following God's plan for your life. So I'd like to ask you all to bow your heads right now. And we're gonna, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you'd like to make a, this commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to follow his plan for your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me in your mind. God knows your thoughts. Or perhaps you've you made a commitment in the past, but you've wandered away and you'd like to recommit your life. It would be perfectly fine to do that. I'd encourage you to do that as well. So let's pray. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my plan for my life, doing the things I wanted to do, not the things you want me to do. Please forgive me. I repent, I turn away from my own doing my own thing, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin that I might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead three days later. I invite him into my life. I commit myself to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I commit myself to following his plan for my life, doing the things that he tells me to do in Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for this story of Abraham. We can learn so much from your word, how you moved, how Abraham and the other people responded. We thank you that you have a call and a vision for each of our lives. Forgive us for not seeking your direction each and every day. 
to show us how to follow your direction every day, to see the vision that you have for us and to follow it and to obey you, to keep on trusting even when we encounter obstacles. Help us to be peacemakers in our relationships. May we not try to force issues with others, but trust that you are in control. You are sovereign. Give us a heart to obey you each and every step along the way in life's journey. We ask that you would cause us to, to lead both our physical children, if we have physical children, to walk in your ways, and spiritual children, that you give us opportunity to, to help others to follow you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.